Welcome to Uncontained, episode 196. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and I hope everybody's doing all right out there during the, well, entering the second full month of our mandatory staycation. Yeah, the shelter in place order. I know some places are opening back up, and hopefully that goes smoothly. If you're one of the first back in the workplace, good luck, take care. And, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what everybody else is telling you. Wash your hands, brush your teeth. Well, they don't say that, but you should probably do that. Wear a mask just in case you don't brush your teeth. And uh, also, also listen to podcasts on your commute. Yes, get back uh, doing the things you always used to do on your way to work, but uh, try to do it from a safe distance of other people. Today... Uncontained. I got a very cool episode for you. It's a man that's in two bands. The first band is Black Hat Society, and the second is his solo project, Hawk Heimdelsman. Uh, yes, his name is Hawk Heimdelsman, and uh, he's a very cool musician. He's originally from uh, the UK, moved to LA, and uh, has been uh, doing music pretty much all of his life. Normally, I'll have one song for you, but today I'm going to have a sample of a song from his uh, Black Hat Society CDs, and then also at the end of a show, I'm going to have a new track from his uh, CD that dropped in February, which is one of his solo CDs, and uh, the track is called red tail rising so uh that's coming away two different sounds the first one black hat has a little bit of a i'd say the vocals at least have a um drop kick flogging molly type sound the folky almost irishy sounding and uh both of them are very cool though so uh it's uh two different sides to the same musician and uh you'll see both those sides in this interview as uh we talk about uh, his roots, how he got started, and what keeps him going, and why he doesn't go for the secure job, and uh, what keeps him pushing on, chasing after his dream, and keep putting out music. Plus, we'll also see what he's doing while he's uh, while he's in self-quarantine. I know he is working on a new album for black hat society and once that gets done we'll have to have him back on with his uh bandmates so i don't want to keep you waiting much longer but please uh if you're listening out there to musicians podcasts um comedians magicians anything like that go to their go to their patreon page support them in this time if you can uh because there's no place for them to go out and perform and make the money that they would doing it so please hit that up you can reach hawk that is Bandcamp, and i'll have the uh the links in the show notes but i i like to push that at least make people aware that streaming music is great but they don't get much from it if in this time of need you can at least maybe buy an album buy a song from an artist that would be very helpful to help keep the help the keep the creation going Anyway, now, I promise, I won't keep you waiting any longer. Here is a sample of the song West from Black Hat Society. And we'll jump right into the interview and find out how Hawk Heimdelsman lives uncontained. Dust blue, fast and dust blue, I 
Those blue grit into my eye And I wandered down the path towards a sign that read Welcome to Duke Country Down the path I quickly found A hanging tree just outside the town Ropes hanging high like a warning That read Welcome to Duke I haven't had a chance to check out the uh, solo album uh, yet, but I listened to uh, quite a few songs from uh, Black Hat. When I said you kind of remind me of like Dropkick Murphys and Flogging Molly, your singing voice kind of reminds me of their singing voice. Are you a fan of either group? Uh, yeah, actually. Well, uh, Karen, our fiddle fiddle player, my my co uh, co bandmate, plays in Bricktop Blaggers, which is an Irish punk band that's like they've they've toured or they've opened for both bands. Uh, Flogging Molly actually said that they never wanted them to open for them again because they were so good. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, a compliment and a smack in the face at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, no, they've, they've done a bunch of shows with Dropkick Murphys as well. So they're, they're, she's definitely active in that scene. Um, okay. Very mm-hmm. cool, man. So uh, what do you say we just get this uh, rolling here? And uh, welcome to Uncontained, mm-hmm. speaking with uh, Hawk Hi- Heimdall's man. I think I said that right. It's a, like, I'm trying to get it. It'll flow, it'll flow better by the end of the show. But, you know, Hawk is uh, what you need to know. He's in the band Black Hat Society, and you have a solo project, correct? That is correct, yeah. All right, perfect, man. So as as we were talking about already, I listened to your music and I kind of picked up, there's a blues vibe to it, a folky vibe, but I also pick up like, a, as I said, Dropkick Murphy's Flogging Molly kind of in your voice. I like cooked it on. I was like, oh, this is awesome stuff. I gotta, I gotta talk to this guy. I was expecting from the name of Black Hat Society, something along the lines of like Black Label Society or something like that, which, you know, there might be some aspects that are similar maybe the bluesy vibe to it but all together it comes together to create something unique and i enjoy it so how are you doing in uh quarantine today well you know i'm doing okay <laughs> it, it's been a hell of a past few months i i am quarantined at home uh haven't been leaving except to get food and you know i'm a little stir crazy yeah but you know, i've been mostly using the time to work on music um you know, already got uh, got a lot of headway on the next Black Hat Society album going, which I'm very happy about. We've got uh, 13 songs started in terms of recording. I just wrote another one the other day. Um, you know, I'm 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 very I'm very excited just to keep working, keep making music. You know, that's for me. That's the the thing. No matter what happens, I'm still going to make music. Okay. You know, stuck at home. I'm playing guitar. I'm writing. If I'm not stuck at home. I'm trying to gig as much as I can and record and work with people and, you know, pitch songs for TV shows and work with artists and producing this and that. And, you know, life is music. Keep on going. Have a good time. Right on, man. Right. On. I'm glad you're keeping busy. Like I, my day job is deemed as one of the essential ones. Like I mm-hmm. work, like help support lawyers at a law firm for the day job, which, you know, not exciting. This is more what I want to do. But, uh, you know, it it does give a little sense of normalcy and a little less uh, stir crazy at home getting out during the day a couple days a week. 
but I'm glad you've been able to turn that into something productive. Now you have black hat society and your solo project. Like what makes those two different? Like I, I got to listen to quite a bit of uh, black hat society, but I hadn't had a chance to check out your solo project yet. Well, the solo project, um, you know, that that's been going on for, for years. I just released my ninth solo album, which for, for being a solo out al- solo project, I mean, I'm basically, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. You know, if I want to put out a metal album, I put out a metal album. I want to put out an acoustic album. I put out an acoustic album. You know, these days, the majority of my writing, I consider it to be alt country, alternative country. Okay. Um, definitely not pop country. There's some traditional country. There's also some, some heavier elements for black hat society. People are like, well, how do you describe your sound? And I'm always, my usual answer is Willie Nelson meets black Sabbath. Okay. I could kind of see that for the solo album we did. It was more black Sabbath with some Willie Nelson. So I definitely kind of flipped it up a little heavier influence. You know, um, I spent a lot of time, I mean, I play a lot of different instruments. Okay. You know, they're, I'm, I'm a guitarist primarily, but, you know, I play banjo and lap steel and mandolin and this and that. And for Black Hat Society, I definitely have this little kind of folk orchestra that I work in. So I've got, you know, mandolin and banjo and lap steel and, and Irish bazooki and all this kind of adding layers of texture. And Karen, our, my violin player, is soaring on top of that. With the solo project, it was a lot more... I hate to say stripped down because I still use a ton of instruments, yeah. but it was more on the guitar and the lap steel. Just those were the two dominant instruments. Okay. Do you play all the instruments in your solo project or are you like a Trent Reznor in that essence where you record everything, then would hire a band to go out on the road or like, how does that work? A um, bit of both. I'm not a drummer. So I, I used a session player, uh, Chuck Peterson. Okay. I uh, did a really fantastic job. Um, he's out on the East coast with, uh, he's got a band called the adventures of Thaddeus black. Um, he's toured, he's toured with a couple of big ones as well. Um, you know, I'll, I'll use, I'll use session players where I need to, or where I want to. Um, I played bass on this album, but the my previous album, I had a friend play bass on a few songs and the next black hat society album, my friend Dylan's playing bass on it. Um, <clears throat> Karen actually played violin on three songs, I think. On your solo project or uh, Black Hat? On the solo okay, project. Okay, because I, I, I heard like violin on a lot of, or do you call it violin or fiddle? It's the same instrument, but like it gets called different things and different type of music. Um, I would call it fiddle. Okay. I, it's interesting. Like, uh, I guess it more depends on the style of music that's played with it, correct? Because it's a, the yeah. exact same instrument, just different usage, I guess. Well, it's it's a different it's different stylistically, you know. There's different uh, different bowing techniques, different fingering techniques. Um, although they've done some studies between like old school Appalachian fiddle and Baroque style vi- violin. Okay. And the bowing is oddly similar. So it's like if you go back four hundred or three hundred years, there's that this split in the instrument, and you know. Part of it just went to the Appalachians and just stayed there, and the rest of it evolved into modern classical music. Okay, so it's it's a uh, it's kind of weird that way how how things can be so similar and yet so different. Definitely, that's cool, man. So um, now, 
you mentioned that you have like music and a lot of like uh, TV shows and like I saw on IMDb that you were, have been uh, I don't it was something like 16 or something like that shows that you were involved in like composing and then like sound editing or something like that. Is that correct? Uh, something, yeah. I mean, I, I've done, um, I've scored a couple of, couple features and a bunch of shorts. I've done a lot of post-production as well. Uh, audio editing. Um, you know, I, I ran a, a full, full music studio for a while. So I did a lot of that work. Um, you know, while, while the studio was up and running, uh, these days I, I just have a little home studio. So I did use that mostly for, for songwriting and I, I produce a couple bands here and there. I do some post-production every now and then, but, uh, it's not really their bread and butter anymore. Okay. You know, um, I mean, everyone's, we're all trying to pitch songs for Netflix shows these days because <laughs> that's really the, the money. Move. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very tough market to break into. You know, I've definitely, I've not had as much success as I'd like, yeah. but I'm working on it. So, you know, you keep on trying. Yeah, definitely. So do you, like when you're pitching that, I guess this is kind of interesting to me. Um, like, do you pitch songs that you have made or do you get a grip of like, get an idea of what that film is or what that show's going to be on Netflix and write something that you think would fit that? Mostly what I do is write the music I want to write and then figure out, okay, what shows is this going to be good for? Yeah. You know, you kind of, like, I mean, given that I have a country flavor to what I'm writing, you know, I pick out shows that are going to be appropriate for that kind of music. You know, your country songs are not going to go well on say an urban procedural. <laughs> probably not. But Probably not. <laughs> but a show that's based in Alberta on a cattle ranch might be a little easier sell. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and, and I mean, it, it, it's tough because, you know, every music supervisor out there is just bombarded by submissions. So you really, you want to make sure you're, you're not wasting anyone's time. You want to get right to the point. Like, listen, this song, this show, give it a listen. What do you think? Okay. So you, you do mm -hmm. actually try to specify the show like that you think it'd be good for you. Like, here's a song. I think it'd be good in a show uh pick it put it in whatever show you want yeah uh, i mean you know, you you find and you, you find a show that you know you like the music in you think your 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 sound would be good for that kind of show music supervisors they're going to be going for similar similar flavors for different shows yeah you know if you're if you're known as a person that does the the outdoorsy country shows you know that's what people are going to be coming and hiring you for and and you know it it's a lot of, it's it's who you know it's who you have connections with you know you meet directors you know I I have a bunch of drop cards so I, I always keep some on me and you know hand them out like oh hey maybe use one of my songs in your next film because if the director goes to the music supervisor and says hey I love this song put this in somewhere they're gonna do it yeah definitely you know same with producers you know same with actors um, I have a bunch of friends who are on some pretty big shows and you know I. Like, hey, you know, here's a copy of the new album. See if you can get it in the show for me. <laughs> you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's all you about know, it's, connections. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, in this, in this, it, it's it's very much, you know, people say it's, it's who you know. It's it's who you know and what they know you can do for them right now. 
Yes. And yeah, that, that is big right there too. And you may know them, but some, you may say, you know, somebody too, but they don't always necessarily know you on the same level. You think, you know, them sometimes too. Yeah. It, it's basically who knows you, who can do what for you and who you can do what for at the time. And if it all lines up, it's golden, you know? Exactly. Exactly. The, you, you have to be, I mean, I'm, I'm friends with tons of people. Like I, I've got, I do have a few A-list people on my cell phone that I can pick up the phone and call, but you know, do they need me to do something for them? Do they need my music in their project? Yeah. You know, are they thinking of, am I the first person that comes to mind when they say, Hey, I need a song in this. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe now, not. when you're contacting those A-listers that you have, do you do it sparingly? Do you only contact them when you're like, hey, I think this will work for you? Or is it something where you just try to keep in touch with them a little bit to keep on their mind? Well, they, I mean, they're, they're my friends. So Okay, they are your they, friends' they, friends, not just, yeah. like, not just like professional acquaintances that you know? Yeah, I, I, well, a bit, bit of both. There, there are some people that I've, I've come across and worked with and you know, just stayed in touch, but not like... I mean, I, I don't like to be the guy that like every five minutes, hey, check out my new song on YouTube. Hey, check out my new thing on Instagram. Hey, check out this. Um, you know, if I if I know directly like, hey, I think you're going to enjoy this. I think this is good for your current project. Then, yeah, I'll, I'll send along a quick link. And, okay, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. It is what it is. And the reason I keep asking so many questions on this, because it's good to know, like, the finesse of, like, networking, where to, like, um, you know, you don't want to bombard friends with, like, requests. Uh, hey, could you do this for me? Could you do this for me? Could you do this for me? Because then they feel like you're using them. It's just trying to find out that fine line where it's like, hey, man, I think this would be good for you and us together. Or opposed to be like, dude, could you get me this, this, this and this, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, you want to be respectful and you don't want to waste anyone's time. You know, I mean, people are people. They have lives, they have business, they have, you know, they have things going on and their focus is not my life. Yes. As much as I would like to be like, hey, you know, I just wrote a new song. Can you slip it in your show? Or, hey, can you you know pitch it to this guy that you know or, or whatnot? I mean, you know, you, you take a chance, but you got to remember people are people at the end of the day. You know, you don't want to lose anyone. Very true. Yes, yes. Uh, not just cogs in the machine. But uh, all right, let's let's switch modes just a little bit. You said you had uh, your solo project that just came out. Was it in February? Uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about that. What is the flavor of that? Is that the Willie Nelson meets Black Sabbath? More of the, the vice versa, Black Sabbath meets uh, Willie Nelson. Sorry, I got those flipped in my head. I apologize. The album's called Red Tail Rising. Okay. Um, it's very, it's definitely like heavy alternative country. You know, there's definitely there's a couple songs that are straight up metal. There's a couple songs that are hard rock. There's one punk song on there. Um, you know, it's it was it kind of came out of my divorce. I started writing the solo album right as things were kind of exploding, and then finished yeah. it up a year a year or so afterwards. Um, you know, there's I mean, there's really only one song on the album that is directly about the divorce, but it definitely it flavored everything. Um, the title track, Red Tail Rising, was kind of about me coming into my own, shedding off the, the battle scars and, you know, brushing the, the blood off my wings and saying, fuck it, I'm going to take flight. Okay. 
So with uh, with you writing this over the span of a divorce, like uh, going into the bad part of the relationship when everything's erupting to afterwards where things like, you know, the climax of the divorce and then kind of the more tranquil part at the like as you're starting to accept and get over it, like you said, in Red Tail Rising when you're coming into your own. Is there mm-hmm. like that roller coaster ride through the through the album where it's like, okay, you can tell I wrote this during that part, this during this part of the divorce, and then this during the recovery. And it, is it chronological like that, the way you release it? Uh, not, not intentionally. No. Um, there's definitely like, there's a flow to the album. There's, there's some songs that are very, it starts off pretty intense. Like the first three, four songs are pretty heavy. And then it kind of mellows for a bit and then comes back super heavy and then mellows again. And then, ends on a a high note Um, okay you know and and some of the songs you know there's a couple songs that are like nine ten years old at this point that i wrote a long time ago and just never recorded and there's some that i wrote like right in the middle of everything um and there were there were a bunch of songs that i started recording that didn't even make it on the album probably six or seven songs that we started and just i was like you know this it's a good song but it's not right for this project or this version that i'm recording just isn't working you know, put it on a back burner, save it for another project. Okay. I write more songs than I release, you know, and sometimes I'll write a song saying, you know, I like it. It's good. It's not ready yet. Fair enough. And I'll come back in in five years and like, okay, let me rewrite the chorus here and try this. And then all of a sudden, okay, it works. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Or you find that piece that you find is missing and, or that life experience that you needed to complete the story of the song and come back and uh, make it whole again. Um, I'm, I'm glad you specified earlier about the kind of style of country, you know, not pop country, not the barbecue sauce on my white t-shirt type thing, or like mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff you hear on the radio. Cause that's, it's the same for like rock music and like, uh, pretty much any form. What you hear on the radio mostly is going to be like the pop stuff, the stuff that's charting in its genre, but like you go you go to the roots of the music that's not necessarily getting played and that's where i find you find you find the heart of the music Absolutely. have you ever heard of the band rebel meets rebel i have not they are actually it was made up of vinnie paul and dimebag daryl from pantera and they teamed up mm-hmm. with uh david allen co nice and uh it's kind of he's talking about the hybrid between metal and country kind of reminded me of that album so it has some like kind of rock tracks on it some more like almost twangy country parts on it but it's the two worlds combining and creating something um if you want to i think it might be worth checking out for you it's uh rebel meets rebel is the name of the band i don't remember what the title of the album was but it was one album they put out nice so like what would be some of your uh people that you listen to to get inspiration and that you draw influence from um you know there's there's a there's a ton of music i i I do listen to a lot of things um every now i'll be i'll be driving i'll have my phone plugged in it'll bounce from megadeth to taylor swift to (laughs) i mean I, I, I do listen to a, a ton of different stuff. I mean, I even have, I've got some Nickelback and the Glee soundtrack on my phone. Interesting. Because you know, sometimes, you know, good, a good song is a good song. You know, I mean, I'm definitely, I don't consider myself a fan of Nickelback, 
but you know they've had a couple songs that I do do enjoy. Um, my big influences, you know, you talk about the, the top three biggest influences are probably going to be Skyclad, New Model Army, and The Levelers. They're three three British bands actually. Okay, but they are kind of in that, um, late eighties, mid nineties, and of course, you know, to present day, um, punk and metal with a huge folk influence. Skyclad was straight up folk metal, like they had a fiddle player doing thrash metal with them. Really? I'll have to check those guys out. <laughs> Huge fan. I've, I've gotten to know people in, in each each band over the years. Um, also, uh, Captain Tractor from Canada. They're, they're another big influence. They're more roots rock. Um, you know, they're definitely like, there's like, I spent years, like I went, I went to, when I went to college, I really started like exploring music and I mean, I was a music major, but growing up as a kid, I was pretty much limited to what I could either hear on the radio or bands that I would, you know, do shows with, or whatever I found in my dad's LP collection. Okay. And where and, did you I mean, grow I did, up? Um, I, as a kid, I grew up in London, but I went to high school here in LA. Okay. And then I went to college here in, in LA. You know, music is is music. I mean, I, I definitely I have a classical music background. I do a lot of work. Um, I, I I keep a couple different. Uh, I don't have a, like a nine to five day job. Um, I do a lot of uh, freelance independent work. Um, but I work with uh, two orchestras as a stage manager. Okay. So I, I've, I, I hear a ton of classical music every year. Uh, obviously not now because everything's shut down. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I've studied classical music. And you know, there's a lot of times I'll sit down, I'll be writing a song, and I'll, like, I'll analyze my own melodies. I'm like, okay, what can I do to make this more interesting, more better, more, you know, like what, what would what would Mozart do? What would Beethoven do? You know, how would you take that melody and structure it? So, I mean, like I could sit down and analyze uh, Eine Kleine Nacht music as if it were like a pop song. Okay. Because that, that's what it is. Mozart wrote a string quartet that he was like, okay, what can I do that's going to be super catchy, get stuck in people's heads and make them want to hear it over and over again? And you can break down the melodies and take the same kind of concepts and apply them to songwriting. Okay, yeah, definitely hear that. And I also, like, one thing I've noticed, had musician friends tell me and everything, too, that uh, classical music and metal, like, not not the power chord metal, but, like, um, the scalistic metal where they shred on guitars mm -hmm. are the two most similar out of the two right here. Like, metal is the most similar to classical music out of what music is out today. Because if you take away the distortion yeah. from a lot of the guitars and stuff, you'll have, like, not necessarily Flight of the Bumblebee, but something similar with it, you know? <laughs> you know there's a lot, of, a lot of, like, the neoclassical shred guitarists that has spent time studying classical. I mean, it's... I have a lot of friends that keep telling me like, Oh, like you got to check out Lindsay Sterling. She's a, she's a great, uh, great violin player. And I have to chuckle. Um, she actually took lessons at, at a music school I work at. Okay. Um, but she also, she'll take like her songs are like, she'll take some of box riffs and just kind of jam on them. Like she's straight up taking from Bach, simplifying it and adding a dubstep beat to it. You know, but she's taking those 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 hooks that people love and just kind of just you know running with them. That's interesting, though. That's an interesting uh, innovation to it, like Bach and dubstep. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's been done before, but she found the way to market it. Yeah, because she you know, she's, she's a young, attractive lady who does these great YouTube videos that are full scale productions, and people love them. 
And then she takes that show on the road and people go nuts for it. And, you know, it's, it, it's not my, my thing, so to say. Um, we actually, <laughs> we, we, um, Karen and I did a cover a few years back of a murder by death song, um, spring break, 1899. Okay. And right in the middle, because we, I realized that the chord progression for the song is the exact same chord progression as Lindsay Sterling's, uh, in, invocation. So we just threw the solo for invocation right in the middle of the murder by death song. Interesting. And it worked. Yeah. I think there's, there's a YouTube video of that somewhere. Uh, I'll see if I can find that and send it to you. All right. Um, That'd be cool to check out. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's the thing about, about music is you really, the only limits are what you put on yourself. You know, you can write a country song, you can write a metal song. I mean, Metallica wrote a country song. I mean, Mama Said's a great song and it, it's, it was a great Metallica song and it's a great country song. I heard that uh, James Hetfield actually, like, I don't know if this, how true this is, but actually it was like kind of wanted to sing country when he was younger and Garth Brooks wanted to be like a rock star when he was younger and they kind of, you know, kind of took the opposite path. Yeah, it happens. You know, you figure out you've got something that's, that's selling. So you run with it, you know, and a a lot of, a lot of guys, the guy from, uh, not disturbed Godsmack, I think it was, did a, did a country album a few years back. Soliarna? Or David Draymond. Draymond's from Disturbed. Yeah, I don't think it wasn't, it wasn't Draymond. It was it was somebody else. I can maybe almost see Sully doing a country album, but it would be like a country album singing about not liking people. Which, I mean, there, there's a lot of um, <laughs> country music is one of those those things. Like I, I always resisted it. Like back in college, I was huge into black metal, like yeah. the really extreme Norwegian stuff. And there was a gal. She was my lab partner in a science class. And she asked me why I didn't listen to country. And I told her it was because it was too happy. And she just started laughing because she said the, I was the only person who'd ever told her that everyone else told her they didn't listen to country because it was too sad. Really? And so, so I started like, she, she, she made me a tape of um, Garth Brooks, the thunder rolls, you know, a song about a, a woman who figures out her husband's cheating. So she gets the gun and shoots him. I'm like, okay, there's some cool stuff here. Like I, I dig, I dig this kind of very brutal, very dark storytelling. Yeah. I've heard that song a bunch of times, but I never really listened to figure out what it was about. I didn't know that it was about, uh, about some chick, some lady shooting her cheating husband. Well, there, there's two versions of the song. There's the radio edit that is missing the third verse where she gets the gun and shoots his ass. Um, that, that's a version he plays live and the crowd always goes nuts when he, when he, when they see he's going to actually keep going. Um, you know, but there's, that's a lot of like Johnny Cash wrote some very dark songs. Mm-hmm. Willie Nelson. I, I'm a huge fan of Willie Nelson and he's gotten to the point where he just, he has nothing to prove. He doesn't care. So he'll, he doesn't pull his punches. Yeah. You know, he, he'll make fun of himself and make fun of anyone and everything, everything, um, he, he takes his shots in Nashville, you know, because Nashville's a money town, and country music is about the people. You know, it's about the guy working his ass off, coming home and hating his life, and drinking and saying, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. And now, like the stuff you hear on the radio is the stuff that's like too happy now. I guess like it's more like the, um, I don't know, singing like it's pop with a twang on the radio. But like the it's, it's rap music for white people that are scared to listen to rap music. 
you know, it's it's straight <laughs> like, like yeah, bro country. It, it's they took the rap playbook and ran with it, and they're adding beats and they're adding you know breakdowns and hip hop's you know vocal deliveries and whatnot because you know Nashville has always been about ten years behind the mainstream, and okay. I think they do this on, they do this on purpose because they can take a look at like what what worked and then twang it up. They'll take the guys that were popular 10 years ago, put them to work and just kind of keep a nice cycle going. Cause the people listening to it, they're thinking it's something new, but they, they, they already realize it's a tried and true formula. Yeah. I, ne- I never really realized the country is the rap for white people who are scared to listen. But going back, it just brought up, uh, I remember hearing a song called Honky Tonk, but Donkey Donk or something like that. And yeah, that plays perfectly into what you just said. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It, it's, it blew it's... my mind. <laughs> I think actually I stole that from I think it was Steve Earle. He he said it was it was rap pop country is rap for white people that are scared of black people. <laughs> and I mean it's it's kind of kind of brutal when you you think about it. But like bands like Florida Georgia Line, yeah, you know they're, they're straight up they're doing rap music with twang. And you know Luke Bryan, you know he's doing that kind of R and B hip hop with a little bit of twang. And, you know, it, it, it drives me nuts because some of the songs are very catchy and well-crafted. Yeah. And a lot of them can be can be just stripped down to the basic uh, woman in painted on jeans, drinking beer, and dancing for me. You know? And there's that, that overwhelming misogynistic sexual, sexualization that I personally just can't stand. Yeah. You know? I want... I mean, I'm, I'm single. I've... Well, at least until the quarantine, I was going out and dating and, you know, having fun and, you know, meeting all sorts of interesting people and, you know, made a lot of great friends, made a lot of, met a very, a lot of interesting women. But I don't want someone who's just a piece of ass in tight jeans who's going to look pretty for me. Yeah. I, I want somebody who's going to be my best friend, who's going to have my back, who's going to be awesome and sweet and kind and has great personality and has a, a super smart brain. Um, you know, so, so hearing something like country girl, shake it for me is straight up nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> I, I would rather listen to nails on a chalkboard than a song that just basically says, Hey girl, you're super fine. Shake that booty for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, I wrote a I wrote a, a love song for my solo album called Three Chords. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, a famous quote. Uh, Willie Nelson says it a lot. Uh, All you need is three chords and the truth. So I kind of took that idea and ran with it. I wrote a love song actually for a, for a very dear friend of mine. I've known her for 20 years, and I basically wanted to say, you know, I don't want you to be mine. Cause like, I, I hate that, that trope in, in pop music, like be mine. Yeah. Girl, I'm going to win you. I'm going to make you mine. Like, no, I don't want to own anyone. I want to make us ours. Okay. It's a partnership. It, it's, it's a joining of two people. It's building something together. And it's not just a matter of I'm going to win you and then everything's going to be fine. It's, it's a journey. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lifetime. 
you know, and, you know, you can love somebody and never be with them. You, you can love somebody and just want them to be happy. And there's so many layers to what love can be. You know, I've got, um, you know, I, 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 I was talking to it to a couple of friends of mine. I'm like, you know, there's, there's half a dozen women I know in my life right now that I could, with no hesitation or regrets, marry them tomorrow and know I would be happy for the next 70 years. But notice what I said there. I would be happy for the next 70 years. Okay, but you're not sure about them. Exactly. And a lot of, you know, finding a good relationship, finding finding love is, you know, am I good for this person? They may be great for me, but am I what they need? And you learn you learn to let go and say, you know, I can love this person very very dearly and want them to be happy. And when they find Mr. Perfect, that's fantastic. I'm celebrating with them because I love that they are happy, that they've found the right person. That, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. We'll, we'll have to take this uh, clip here of talking about dating and put it on like your, if you have a dating profile, we'll have to put it on there. Uh, then, then you'll get all the ladies coming to you <laughs> once this Corona thing is over. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm also at a point in my life where like I, I've been married. Yeah, you know, when it was great, there was nothing better. When it was bad, there was nothing worse. So if I don't ever get married again, I'm fine with that. Okay, you fair know, enough. I'm definitely like I'm having fun. If I meet the right person, fantastic! I will be the happiest guy alive. But if I don't, I'm still making music. I'm still having fun. I'm still just doing my best to enjoy life. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, oh, man, that's uh, that's a good attitude to have, I believe. Just like go out there almost, I don't know, my version of Buddhist in a way. Just let it just be, you know, just uh, it is what it is. Have fun doing it. The have fun yeah. doing it might not be part of the Buddhist uh, mantra, but that's what I added to it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you look around. I, I'm definitely like I I've spent years studying, you know, philosophy and politics and, and religion and all, all the subjects you're not supposed to talk about. Yeah. And there's so many people that are obsessed about, you know, heaven. You know, there, there's the, 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 the big evangelical. Well, you, ha you have to be you know saved so you can go to heaven. Everything will be perfect there. And I look around, you know, I go out every morning and stand on my front porch. Heaven's right here. You know, this is, this is, you know, earth is an amazing, beautiful, wonderful place. You know, I, I'm, I'm here in, in Los Angeles. I'm up in, in the valley. I've got a pretty good view of mountains on both sides of, of my house. Nice. You know, there's, you know, at least the past couple of weeks, crystal blue skies because half the, half the, the town ain't driving. So the, the pollution's cleared off. You know, we're, we're, a, we're a quick hour drive from the ocean. We're an hour drive from the Angels National Forest or the high desert. Yeah, there is so much wonder and beauty. And even if you don't go out to, to nature, you go to Hollywood. You can, you, I, you know, the the whiskey a go go. It's, I mean, it's it's a beaten down, dirty, sticky floored place. But you walk up on that stage, and you're standing on holy ground. Those are some of the best venues, though. 
you know, it, it doesn't matter that, I mean, you know, when you're loading in, they turn the lights on and, you know, you see, you see what a dump it is, but the moment you walk on that stage to play, you're standing where Jim Morrison stood. You're standing where Metallica and Guns N' Roses and, you know, any band that's, you're, you're playing where, where I think Led Zeppelin played there back in the day. Yeah. You know? That's that's crazy. I'd love to actually go there. I'm up in Northern California right now, but where mm-hmm. I come from, there's a um, there's a venue in Iowa City, Iowa. It's called Gabe's Oasis. It kind of is mm-hmm. the same vibe as uh, the the Whiskey a Go Go or whatever. It has like many national acts, many great touring acts coming through there over the years, and um, floors are sticky. You walk into the bathroom, you think you'll catch every disease known to man or make you immune from that. Maybe since I went there, I won't catch Corona. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> One can always hope. <laughs> I know, right? Maybe maybe yeah. that dirty bathroom saved my life. Um, but, you know, it's those places with that character where you walk in when no band is playing and you still feel the energy uh, that all the bands have brought there before you're like there's been stuff that's happened here you know that and another place that's not around anymore was third street live back in uh, cedar rapids which was which was an awesome place but it got burnt down places like that i love i'll I'll take that dive that dive venue any day no some of the best shows i've ever played have been in dive bars you know i i got i I did a show uh, a year and a half maybe two years ago I got a call. It was a Monday Monday evenings series a friend of mine was doing, and an artist canceled at like noon. So he calls me at one. He's like, "Hey, can you do a show tonight?" I'm like, "Sure, why not?" So I, I show up at seven o'clock. I set up, and I just started playing. And I, I, I use when I'm when I'm playing a solo show, I use a looper pedal, so okay. I can record like the the verse and chorus that I'm singing, and then just take a solo over that. And solo as long as I feel like soloing, you know, cause it's just, it's just me up there jamming and, you know, making music. And I, I played for a good, good 45 to an hour or so. I think I, I played for like the bartender and one friend of mine who saw last minute, Oh, Hey, a show I'll drive down. And, and he caught like the last two songs of the set. Okay. So we, we hung out afterwards, but you know, I just didn't care that it was a dive bar. I was there to make music. Awesome, man. And got up and I played and I jammed and had a good time and sang, you know, sang a few songs I hadn't done in a while and just kind of experimented and, you know, just that's what, you know, you see all these like these TV shows, like who's going to be the next uh, top rock star, superstar, the voice, the, the, the America's American Idol. All yeah. This crap. Those people, you know, well, some of them are very talented. You know, they've got they've got great voices for or whatever. The choice for them was, do I go out and make music or do I go out and try and become a star? Yeah. Do I go on the TV show and try to get famous, get people to love me, make a lot of money? Or do I go out and make music? Because there are, there are so many great singers out there. There are so many great guitar players out there. There are so many great musicians out there, you know. I mean, I, I, I've got friends that played, uh, they, they, they're on John Williams' call list. So oh, they wow. played the last three Star Wars movies. You know, they're, they're on that level. They're making music. That's all they do. They make music. 
They don't care if it's a dive bar or a concert hall or a recording studio or whatever. They're there to make music. You know, and I take that same kind of philosophy. I don't care if it's a festival for 7,000 people or a dive bar for seven people. Yeah. There to make music. And Karen and I did a show up in, uh, in the high desert a couple years back. It was like a four hour set ended at, at two in the morning. And by the time we finished, there were five people still in the bar. And this one lady who never, never heard us before came up and says, Hey, I can't believe that set you guys just did. You played like so incredibly for only five people. I was like, you know, you play for the people that come, not the people that don't, you know, you're there to make music and, and, making music is one of those incredible, beautiful, wonderful things that, you know, I, I've dedicated my life to it. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, you, you got to make money and you got to pay the bills and you do, you do the odd jobs here and there. When you have to, you take a day job, you know, you do whatever you got to do to keep on playing, you know, as long as you got, you know, strings on the guitar and, you know, an amp that works. <laughs> I, I, I've, had, I've had to learn things like basic amp repair and soldering and um, my uh, my interface in my recording studio broke last week so I spent the past week trying to get that thing fixed so I can keep recording oh wow yeah it's, it's driving me absolutely up up the wall because of course it's you know it's quarantine I'm stuck at home I should be just churning out non-stop you know music I mean I did I did uh, five or six YouTube videos last week I did some cover songs like you know just like five or six different instruments on each one, you know, a nice little, you know, camera angle on each instrument as I was just playing the song straight through. Um, you know, I should be churning stuff out like that, like, like, uh, you know, a song a day at least, but you know, my interface broke and that just throws everything out the window. Yeah. Thank God there's YouTube now uh, where you can like go online and be like, okay, how do I repair this? Um, well, I'm pretty sure this one's, this repair job is going to be a little bit beyond me. Um, but I've, I've got a buddy with a spare interface I'm going to go get from him hopefully this afternoon and see if I can make that work, you know, just, just so I can keep making music. Perfect, man. Perfect. So, um, I guess this brings as a perfect time to transition into the next segment of the show. Uh, what advice do you have for people who are getting started in music or looking to take that next step? You know, so I'm, I'm 38 years old, I think, ish. You know, I've been doing this for, you know, since I was in high school. So I've been making music for about 20 something years. Okay. You know, you got to be honest with yourself. You know, you got to, you got to put the time in, you got to practice, you got to, you got to, you know, make sure your, your craft is solid. If you're a singer, you know, Take voice lessons. Make sure your breathing is good. Make sure you're not hurting your voice. Make sure you're doing doing the right thing. If you're a guitar player, make sure you're putting the time into practice and learn and study different styles and different influences. Um, you know, there's there's so many. You know, you got to know the basic craft. There, there's a lot of artists that I produced that, you know, they write a song, and they don't realize it's in a bad key for their voice. Yeah, it just it just for whatever reason doesn't work. So I'm, while I'm working in pre-production, I'm like, okay, let's let's try capoing this to a different key, and try singing it a little lower or a little higher. Just like, and we we start finding where it's going to fit their voice. You've got to be able to really look at yourself honestly, and say, am I am I making the best possible music I can? 
you know, my, Definitely. I go back and listen to my first two albums. And I just kind of cringe at what I was doing with my voice. Cause it wasn't really until my third and fourth album that I started taking voice lessons and learning how to sing and, and things like the, the human voice, it, it's a muscle for me. I didn't really start being happy with what I was singing until, uh, two or three albums ago. And it, would, it took me years to really find where my voice was. You know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes, you know, it's it's going to be hit or miss. But you got to put the time in and you can't give up. I, I knew a bunch of artists that I've worked with that they put out one album. And they had a great CD release show. And they did a couple other shows. And they, like, sent out copies for reviews and for placement and whatnot and didn't get any response. So they quit. Oh, wow. And it's like, dude, that's, like you do this because you love making music. That is the only reason to get into this life is to, in, if you want to make music, make music. That's great advice right there too. Cause you know, if you're going into anything, whether it's music, podcasting, stand up comedy, expecting to get famous right away. Uh, it's a, it's a long road to that point and you might not ever get to that famous part, but if you just enjoy doing it, it will still be rewarding. Yeah, fame. I mean, what what, is, what does fame mean anyway? I mean, like, yeah, I'd like to, you know, tour six months out of the year and play the the forum and the, you know, the the uh, what's the big venue up in San Francisco, the, the stadium there. You know, the there, there's nine. a few out up here. Like, you know, there's the new uh, Chase Center now, which is where the warrior, the new Warriors place. It's in San Francisco. It was Oracle. Uh, but yeah, there, there's lots of venues up there. Like there is down in uh, down in L.A., I'm sure, like Staples Center, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to be successful enough to, to go play for 20,000 people. Yeah. But that's that's not the goal is not 20,000 people. The goal is to make music. And I can do that as at a dive bar just as well. I mean, I won't make as much money, you know, I'm still making music and that's, that's what I love. That's what I need. That's what I, what I crave. You know, that's what's what's driving me nuts right now is I'm stuck at home. I can't go book shows. I I would like, I've got the time to go out and play every dive bar in the high desert, you know, and you can't do anything with that time except for, well, create music. So once you get that, uh, part fixed uh you'll you'll be on your way to making more music so that that is some really good advice man now what are you currently doing to promote yourself like that's one thing that you can be doing now that you're stuck home uh some obviously you're on this podcast but anything else that you typically do to promote yourself um well you know there's there's all the social media it's tough because if you want to get reviewed you know, if you, if you want, you know, Rolling Stone or the, you know, enemy or, or revolver or whatever to review you, you basically have to hire a publicist that they know who will go to them and say, Hey, here's a new artist, review them. And to hire somebody like that on the low end, $3,000 on the high end, eight to $15,000. So breaking it on that level unless you have the financial backing, which I mean, yeah, I could dip into my retirement savings, but you know, do I, what's, what's going to be the, the real payoff there? Yeah. You know, so you, you put it out on the social media and you do the, do the YouTube. Like I, I have a, I, I was in the middle of editing a music video for the song red tail rising 
when my interface broke down. And of course, I can't sync video to sound if I don't have a sound system. So it just was like that whole, I was going to put out a brand new music video with, and all of a sudden I can't edit the damn thing because I can't get my computer to work. Yeah. So you, you do stuff like that. You hope something takes off and goes viral. Um, I actually had a, a YouTube video go viral last December. Oh, nice. What was that video? Uh, well, it got like 32,000 views. Basically, somebody posted a meme of, you know, did you know that you can sing Black Sabbath War Pigs to Deck the Halls with Bows of Holly? And somebody on my Facebook page dared me to do it. I was like, all right. Said, like, I, I had a sore throat. I didn't rehearse it. I just put the camera on and played through it, messed up, decided in the middle of the video to skip skip the verse, and all of a sudden it, it got shared 32,000 times. Wow. And I'm like, what the hell? I'll, I'll spend you know a week on a video practicing it and trying to get it perfect and editing it nicely, and I'll get you know 32 views. And then this one piece of crap thing gets 32,000 views. I'm like, I, you, you keep doing it because you love it. You know, I've been like last week I did four or five cover songs on my YouTube page. And I basically like all I would allow myself to rehearse was the rhythm guitar and the vocals. Okay. And I would play it one take. Every single thing was like I insisted it be one take. And so like I would play the rhythm guitar and then play the bass to the rhythm guitar player and pay the, play lap steel to that and play banjo to that and play mandolin to that and then sing on top of that. and there were a couple of videos where like I skipped a beat and realized halfway through recording the, the banjo track, like, Oh, I skipped a beat there. Well, skip a beat. <laughs> Keep on going. <laughs> right on. The show must go on. Exactly. And like, it's a YouTube thing. I could scrap it and completely redo it if I wanted to. But part of me loves that, you know, this is, this is me proving to myself that I can do this live. I can bang it out in one take it doesn't have to be polished or synth- synthetically clean or quantized or auto-tuned or whatnot. I'm making vibrant live music with myself at home. And just here's, here's the video. If you enjoy it, great. If you don't, why do I give a crap that you're alive? You know, if you're, if you're not out there, you know, you, you, you can look at music as, you know, I've got 1,200 fans on my f- official Facebook page. Okay. I can look at that as saying there are 7 billion people that don't care about me. Or I can look at it as saying there's 1,200 people that have clicked the like button and want to hear content. They want to stay in touch with what I'm doing. They want to support what I'm doing. So I'm going to keep on doing it. Perfect, man. I think that's the way you got to look at it. Otherwise, you'll drive yourself insane or drive yourself to quit. Let's bounce on to the mm-hmm. next uh, question here. Like, what this is the two part question that I was telling you about before. So, what is a hardship that you've had to deal with uh, that maybe you came out on top afterwards or learned from at least and were able to move on from it? Uh, tough one. Um, you know, as much as I keep saying, you know, I do love making music and I love going out and playing the dive bars, and I don't care if it's five people or 500 people you know, it, it is tough, you know, and I keep asking probably three, four times a year, I'll get to the point where like, do I really want to keep doing this? Should I just quit and get a real day job and make some money and whatever, or, you know, maybe just join a cover band, and, <laughs> you know, whatever. 
um, you know, it, it, it is tough to, to keep being motivated when you see bands like Florida Georgia Line selling, you know, thousands of copies and, you know, getting played all over the place and doing big festivals and, you know, it, it, it's tough to keep staying motivated. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you find that feeling. You know, I love, like, I write a new song and I get a buzz off that. And I'll go to my recording computer and I'll, I'll write a drum machine part and I'll track the rhythm guitar and track a bass part and track a scratch solo and scratch vocals. And I'll send it to Karen and, like, hey, Karen, check out the new Black Hat Society song. What do you think? Here's some sections, you know, write a violin part here and this and that, you know, make this song yours and we collaborate and it's great. And I get a buzz off that. And then we record it properly and I get a session drum player in and I'll spend days on my guitar solos and I get a buzz off that. And I just friggin' love it so much. And you find those moments, you know, and you, you go and you mix the song. Uh, I mix and, and master all of our music. Okay. And, you know, you spend days going over the details and making it perfect and you get a rush off of doing that, you know, and you go off and you do the album release show and, you know, you play these new songs for the first time live and it's a rush and it's, it's beautiful and it's amazing. And, and you love to just make music, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to maintain that feeling at times. Cause there's a lot of hard work. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, I, I actually relate to that too. Sometimes I get a little, you know, they call it pod burn or whatever, where you get like, Oh man, that's like, I didn't get as many listens on that episode as I thought I would, or like, you're not getting as far, like as fast as you hope, but you know, it's like digging in and going to push on. Cause if you get out of line, you lose your spot. Yeah. You got to keep doing it and you keep doing it because you love doing it. Yes. You know, you keep making music because you love making music because there's for, for my money, for my time, for my life, there's nothing better. You know, I, I did, I mean, I I've done work in the tech field. I've done work in stage management. I've done work with live theater. I've done all sorts of things. I've done work on film. You know, I've, uh, you know, I've done all sorts of crazy things in my life. Nice. Yeah. And music is the one that speaks to you. Music's what's keep, I mean, I could have had a very, my, my first job out of college was running education programs for an orchestra. You know, I would drive into downtown LA every day in one of the big skyscrapers and help manage and, and organize the shows. And, and I, I could, at this point, if I'd stuck with it, I could have been the executive director of a mid-level orchestra in some somewhere in the country. Yeah. We were probably making six figures and, you know, eating with, you know, rich people every other night, trying to talk them into giving me money to keep, keep the music going. And I, I could have had a very successful career doing that. Yeah. And I would hate my life. I would absolutely hate my life. And I, I've got very dear friends that took that career path. And are now running major orchestras around the country and are having a great time. You know, that's what they love doing. Yeah. For, and, and like, I still have, like, I still do some, I do stage management for orchestras. You know, I'll, I'll run shows backstage. I'll work with musicians. And I have a lot of fun doing that. But, 
I do that so I can keep making my own music. The ends to the means or the means to the end or whatever. I flipped that around too, but I'm, I'm just flipping stuff all around here. Um, so let's flip that question to what is a highlight that you care to share? You know, I just, I had a ton of fun. Um, fe- back in February, we, we did the album release show for my, my last solo album, Red Tail Rising. And it, it was at a, at a theater in Hollywood called the Theater of Notes. It's a small black box. And, you know, we got there early and we sound checked and, you know, realized I, I left my pedal board at home. So we had to run back home and get the pedal board. And, and we had some sound problems and this, we spent all afternoon fixing it and went out for dinner and doors opened at seven. The, we had, I had three opening acts, three others, other songwriters. And at seven, the place was empty. And I'm like, Oh hell. And seven thirty people started trickling in. And by the time, I went on, the place was packed. Nice. And it was kind of those, like, I always tend to psych myself out, like, okay, I'll be playing for five people, whatever. And it was, it was, I mean, it was a packed house. And we did a bunch of songs we'd never done before. And, you know, there was, in the middle of the set, like, there was a, a ballad we did, a um, new album called Waiting for the World to End. It's a country song in 5 4 time, which is just always a little weird. And I'm singing this and I take the solo and I look out at the crowd. And I see everyone just sitting there, blank expressions on their face. And I thought to myself, okay, they don't like it. They don't get it. Whatever. You know, keep on going. And I finished the song and there was a moment of silence and the crowd went friggin' nuts. And I was like, oh, <laughs> they did get it. <laughs> they were into it. They were going, they, they, they were just so so absorbed in the song that you know they forgot to smile or forgot to to nod their head you know there's those moments you know where you know all that matters is you're making music and you're reaching people nice man nice so well when you do perform and people are listening. You mentioned that you, you weren't seeing the reaction right away, but you heard the reaction after the song. Is there a certain feeling that you want them to take away and remember from the performance? Like, what what do you want them to feel when you play? You know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, when I'm writing a song, you know, I'm always, I'm going in with, you know, I'm trying to put a little piece of my soul on the paper. Okay. And into the song. You know, and sometimes I'll write stuff that's just, just weird. And some stuff, times I'll write stuff that are kind of like almost like riddles, you know, um, or we'll, we'll go in with a, with a, with a, not, not an agenda, but like, I'm gonna, I want to tell this story, but tell it this way. You know, I'm always trying to put a little bit of myself in there and I want people to connect with that. And for some, sometimes, you know, I, I write about some dark stuff. I've written about death and suicide and, and you know, the darker side of, of the human psyche. Um, written about that a lot, actually. Okay. And I want people to understand what it's like to come into that place and also understand what it's like to, to you know, to fight those demons and to, to, you know, keep on going. Like, how would you say like you want them to understand that like what is what's that feel like to you you know i'm not really sure actually it's it's okay. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how to put that into words because there's there's a certain there's a catharsis 
I feel when I'm writing something that dark. Okay. There you take, you take a human emotion, you know, like a, like a heart, you know, heartbreak, you know, yeah. you get your heart. Yeah. I think part of what, like, like Taylor Swift, you know, she's, you know, arguably one of the, the most successful artists of the past 20 years. Well, not arguably, she is one of the most successful artists yeah. from the past 20 years. Um, she got her start writing songs about breaking up with boys or being cheated on or being, you know, having her heart broken. And millions and millions of people took that and said, you know, I could have written that song. That's exactly how I felt when so-and-so dumped me. And um, uh, 10 years ago, I was, um, you know, I, I'd just been dumped by this gal who I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Okay. And I was completely devastated and horribly depressed and for some reason I picked up the album fearless in a Walmart and every single song, I was like, you know, this is exactly how I feel with, uh, with, you know, what's your name? You know, the, the chick who just dumped me. I found that catharsis. So like when I'm writing a song about, you know, there, there was a, a song we, um, on the first black hat society album, the last song, um, a final time to say goodbye. Karen and I played that at a street fair once. And there was this guy who was, you know, just stopped and listened. And like, I kind of saw him in the back and he was sitting there, blank expression on his face. And we finished our set and we start, started tearing down the instruments and he comes over and he's like, guys, um, I want to thank you. And he just takes out his wallet. He hands us a hundred dollar bill. He's like, listen, my son died three days ago. He overdosed on heroin and hearing your last song, I felt like I was saying goodbye to him. Wow. And, you know, mind blown. I mean, like, this is like, wow, that like, you don't, you don't get stories like that at every show, but there was a guy who really, who got what I was saying. Cause the song was about uh, letters I got from a friend of mine who committed suicide. Wow. I, I, it was, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, not a bright, happy, happy song. Um, for the recording, we kind of, uh, we, we went freebird with it. We, we added, it was a four minute song with a five minute guitar solo or guitar and fiddle, you know, back and forth. Okay. Um, you know, it was a lot of fun to record and, you know, but like the, the, the lyrics, lyrics were pretty, pretty dark and they were, you know, they were about, about saying goodbye. You know, sometimes there's that catharsis. There's that feeling that, you can you can give to somebody and they can take it and and listen and you know it it means it means something to them yeah definitely definitely i've had that experience with a few songs myself like uh there's uh i don't know if you're familiar with the band seven dust Okay, they have a song called Angel Sun, which is actually about uh, the lead singer of the band Snot who died in a car accident and stuff. But I actually mm -hmm. saw them in performance like twice when like I had people that were in my family that had like passed away, like right before going like either finding out or like uh before go or right after finding out or before going to a funeral like my grandpa passed away and i heard that song in concert and like my cousin and yeah i heard it 
the like day or night I found out about that as well. So it was just kind of like that moment that that guy came to you after hearing that song is like, okay, that song really like hit home tonight, you know? So you get that connection. So I, I understand like that consarsis, that feeling that, uh, you know, you can get from a song that just connects with, uh, what you're going through. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's, there's so many different, you know, like the, there's a finite number of words in the English language. There's like 20,000 words in the English language, but the breadth of human expression that we can do with those words is, is infinite. You know, same with, with music. There's, there's people that find catharsis in death metal or black death metal, metal or, country or classical um you know uh, uh Penderecki just died he's a, a famous classical composer and his horn trio is, is if if i if i were to describe you know performances that have changed my life listening to his horn trio is definitely up there it's brutal it's ear piercing it is one of the most devastatingly intense pieces i've ever heard you know and it's it's ninety percent of it is him trying to make violin, piano, and French horn sound like nails on a chalkboard. Trying to, okay, yeah, it, it's a it's a very avant garde contemporary piece. I mean, he basically he went absolutely nuts. It would it's and it's also one of the most incredibly difficult pieces to play. Um, that was that was I, I was working a show where we did that, and the violin player actually bought a page brought a page turner because her part was so intense she couldn't stop to turn her own pages okay the the french horn player like he i knew the show was coming up and he pulls me aside a couple months before and he's like listen this is the hardest thing i've ever played it's the hardest thing any of us have ever played or played together you know i walk off that stage all i want is somebody to hand me a shot of vodka <laughs> so i actually i went out i bought a bottle of thor's hammer vodka from iceland and had it you know, found a freezer there at the venue and he walked off that stage. I handed him an ice cold shot of vodka. <laughs> he was, he was tickled pink because he thought I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The, the, the piano player saw, and he had one more piece to, to play, but he was like, Hey, I, I, I do this Beethoven sonata. I'm, I'm coming looking for that bottle. <laughs> All right. I'm waiting for you. Um, yeah. Like that's, you know, any kind of music can find the right person, that kind of catharsis. Definitely, dude. Definitely. Well, um, all right, Hawk. It's been great having you on the show today, man. I have been a great conversation, and it's good to talk to a voice outside of the house during uh, this uh, whole this whole self isolation thing going on. Uh, real quick, before I get to the final question, the title question of the show, what is your social media, and where can people find you and your music on the internet? Um, well, if you go on uh, Bandcamp, uh, hawk, H-A-U-K dot Bandcamp dot com, you can get uh, my most recent solo album. And the, the two albums actually I did before that are available for free download as well. Um, or you can check out blackhatsociety.bandcamp.com. Our last two albums are on there. Um, we're also on Spotify or Amazon or, you know, all the different streaming sites. Um you know, we don't really make, make money off of those because streaming doesn't pay for crap, but you know, Hey, I don't want people to listen to my music. If you can buy an album, great. If you can't stream it and enjoy. 
Um, we're on Facebook. Um, also, just look up Hawk Heimdalsman or look up Black Hat Society. Uh, YouTube, there's a Black Hat Society uh, page. There's also uh, Hawk Rules. My official hashtag is Hawk Rules. Hashtag Hawk Rules. Um, and yeah, I, th- I have a Twitter. I don't really remember what it is. I tweet <laughs> so frequently because, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or just you know, find me on Facebook, send me a friend request, and say hi. You know, okay, happy. sounds good. And I'll I'll put uh, the links in the show notes as well, so people can find them and they can find you and uh, hear your music. So I have one final question for you. It's the title question of the show, Hawk Heimsdall man. How do you live uncontained? You know, we live in a world that has walls. You know, everywhere you go, people are putting up walls, putting up barriers, putting up, you know, barbed wire, saying fit in this box, fit in that box. I live my life the way I want to live my life. Nice. I make my music the way I want to make my music. I write the songs I want to sing. I sing the songs that I feel need to be sung. You know, I play my guitar the way I want to play my guitar. You know, I could very easily quit, get the day job, you know, put the money aside in the 401k, if the, you know, screw <laughs> that. You live, you know, you, you ask yourself, what do I want out of life? What do I need out of life? What are the things that are going to make me happy, make myself fulfilled? It's not staying within the walls. It's living free. Nice. It's living well. It's, I mean, I, my name Hawk, literally, it, it's Old Norse, but it translates as Hawk the bird. And every time I'm out there in the world and I see a hawk soaring, my heart soars too. Because they don't let anything as simple as gravity even keep them down. You know, that's, that's how you do it. You live uncontained. You live... You live, you ask yourself what you want out of life and then you go for it because there's so many people out there that'll tell you, no, you can't do it, but who cares? Go for it anyway. I like that. I like that a lot, man. Live free like a hawk and uh, or above gravity. I like that as well. Um, All right, man. Once again, thank you for coming on the show. I've had a great time talking to you and um, I can I'm looking forward to uh, checking out your solo album, which is uh, out now. And uh, once you get back recording, this new Black Hat Society album will be cool to check out as well. I have one final thing for you to do, and that is sign off the show. Hawk, will you do me the honor of signing off the show today? I will. First of all, I want to say thank you very much. This has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Um, Let's do this again sometime when we get the the new Black Hat Society album. We'll grab grab Karen and have a a three-person talk if we can. That'd be awesome. Thank you to everyone who's listening. I am Hawk Heimdalsman, and I live uncontained. And that does it for another awesome episode of Uncontained. Thank you to Hawk for joining me, and thank you guys for uh, joining in and listening as uh, we talk about what's going on here, how uh, he's trying to be productive during this uh, whole uh, stay-in-place order at home. 
hopefully hopefully he got his interface fixed so he can uh, record more music and finish the new Black Hat Society album, which uh, I will have to have him and uh, Karen back on to uh, talk about here once that comes out. So uh, keep tuned for that. I will keep you posted. Thank you for listening as always. And now I know everybody's doing a lot of Amazon shopping as, you know, even a little more than normal since everybody's at home and nobody wants to go out to the store. The only thing I ask of you is if you could please uh, support the show, not asking for any cash out of your pocket, but just go to uncontainedpod.com and click on the Amazon banner at the top of the page and make whatever purchase you would normally make through Amazon and uh, have that come back and I will get a small percentage of what you buy and that helps uh, support the show and uh, and helps make this possible for me to keep uh, talking to you guys. So I appreciate the help and everybody listening. And coming up as promised is the title track off of Hawk Heimdelsman's new solo project, Red Tail Rising. That's coming your way right now. So crank those earbuds up and until next time, live uncontained. Who speaks for the dead? Live and move on lives to be laid. I can't find fault in that. Who grieves for the fallen? Place your bets where all in and the wheel spins to black. Don't sing the songs you wanna hear. Sing the song that must be sung. Sing the songs that conquer fear. The end has not begun. Don't feed the fears you have inside. Feed your courage, feed your pride. With deeds of worthiness Don't weaken in the face of fear Hold fast to all that you hold dear We're gonna make it through all this Don't live a lifetime of regret Don't waste your time or waste your breath Take your fear and it forget I'm and I'm will conquer death
just begun to sing My heart, my soul, my everything Embrace the wind and start to sing Love dripping from unbroken wings Red tail rising Rising. 